0: Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. We are currently dealing with that week, okay? The week where we're in between Christmas and New Year's and everyone's feeling some type of way. Like, I feel weird this week. I don't know what other word to describe this week with or my feelings with other than weird. I guess it's because I've been spending a lot of time by myself during this week because I decided. To come back to New York for this week to get some stuff done because, well, I just, okay, I love my space. I love being here by myself, to be honest with you. I think I'm one of the few people in this world that really looks forward to having time on my own. I don't know. Maybe I'm like one of 50%. Like, I feel like maybe 50 50, 50% of people, I'm totally making up this statistic. But anyway, I'm one of those people. Let me just say that. I'm one of those people that loves being alone. And Even though I love being alone, I feel this is a strange week to do so because I've just been consuming a lot of rom-coms and a lot of like cute heartfelt holiday content, New Year's Eve inspiring manifestation content on the internet and reading all of my romance novels and I'm like, oh no oh no, I'm doing that thing. I'm overthinking. I'm comparing my life to other people's lives. I'm spending way too much time on my phone. I feel like when I'm given a week where I'm not supposed to work, like you're supposed to be off this week. I saw this tweet that, I mean, it's a very privileged idea, obviously, because if you're not working this week, it means you have the privilege to not work this week. But I still love the idea of taking time yourself. Like I do think a lot of us work very hard throughout the year and we have a really hard time pulling back. So if you're able to pull back this week and just become your couch, I saw a tweet that was like become your couch. (laughs) I think you should do it. But for me, I have a very, very, very hard time doing that because then it leads to me feeling weird. I don't know if I have too much time in my hands like to do nothing. I end up doing a lot of thinking during that time. And when I think too much, it just it's never never that good. So, anyway, I've decided to work this week here and there. I'm doing far less work than I usually do, but I've been doing some stuff for clients, getting ahead of things for the new year. Doing end of year reporting for myself and for my business, getting ready for taxes, like just doing stuff because honestly, I need to to keep myself sane. Anyways, just wanted to share that with you guys. If anyone else out there is finding themselves wanting to be productive this week, like wanting to work. I honestly think maybe instead of doing work tomorrow, maybe I'll just like scrub my bathroom or something. And that honestly will bring me so much joy to do. (laughs) I am officially an adult. Things are getting scary. Anyway, so I have a good episode for you guys today. And it's actually inspired by two things, two separate yet related incidents, things that occurred that I really stopped to think about. And together, these two separate incidents baked together create this really thought-provoking episode that begs to ask this question that I don't quite know the answer to and I would like to hear your thoughts on. So it's really just good food for thought. Um, But it's all about forbidden fruit. Those things that we're not supposed to know, or we're not supposed to make public, or we're not supposed to share, and why those things are the most addicting to talk about, to obsess over the unknown, the forbidden things. Because they're forbidden, you want them. You want to know them. You want to have them. You want to tell people about them. It's this obsession that humans have with the forbidden. Okay, so the first incident that kind of led me to, led me down this path, led me down this rabbit hole was, I guess a month ago now, I was at The Strand, which is a really famous bookstore here in New York City. It's massive. They have, they I think it's like advertised that they have like a thousand miles of books or something. Like if you put every book together. Or I mean more than a thousand. Probably like I actually don't even know how many, but like they have a lot of books, okay? That's the whole thing. A lot of books. They're famous. Everyone knows them. Celebrities go there all the time. It's just one of those places, okay? And I had this idea for a secret Santa because, you know, it just sucks sometimes when you get that friend in your secret Santa where you, you know, you give each other gifts and you're assigned a person, like it's a name out of the hat situation. You're assigned the person that has everything. And you're like, oh my God, what do I get the person that has everything, that literally is the most impeccably dressed, has every latest accessory or anything. I mean, our limit was $50. And I'm like, what am I going to get for this girl who wears straight up designer things all the time with $50, like a keychain or something? I don't know. So I was thinking long and hard. And I was walking from an appointment of some sort, I think like a spray tan appointment, and I thought to myself, I walked by the Strand and I'm like this, okay, we're going to walk in here. This girl loves coffee table books. They have a bunch of rare vintage Coffee table books and stuff, like a a bunch of different stuff. She loves um, nutrition and dietetics because she's studying dietetics at NYU. She's going to be a dietitian, my good friend Allie. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the Strand. I'm going to browse all the coffee table books and find some gems. And I did, lo and behold, got her two different coffee table books for under 50 bucks, which was great. One of them was from the 80s and it was about like herbs and spices, but it was like very vintage looking. And on the inside cover I literally was like squatted on the ground looking through all of these coffee table books and this one I opened up the front cover and it said Merry Christmas someone's name uh to or wait it was 19 19- 1990 yeah 1992 or something it was like Merry Christmas 1992 love Barbara and someone or whatever it was just like cute I'm like oh this is funny so I wrote underneath it Merry Christmas 2022 love Katie and I'm like this can just be one of those books that everyone you know gives to each other so that was cute and then I got her this like other one about pasta or something. It was like the encyclopedia of pasta. Very cute idea if you guys are looking to gift something to someone that just has everything. But that's besides the point because I was walking to the checkout line. And the checkout line is notoriously always very long at the Strand because it's a tourist attraction and it's just a really big bookstore where a lot of people go. So obviously there's a line sometimes. I was waiting in the line, just looking around because in the main area on the first floor of the Strand, there's a ton of different tables, which honestly at a lot of bookstores like Barnes & Noble, there's like a table with like new in or trending or Just they separate these tables based on a genre maybe or something about it. Like, oh, September books of the month or something like that. You know, they like separate the tables and have a theme for the table. And one of the tables when I was standing in this checkout line looking around was banned books. There was a whole table dedicated to banned books. And this I just found so funny (laughs) because there are groups out there that are very, very against having these books in circulation, in libraries, being published even. They want to get these books banned so badly. (laughs) And here they are because these groups want them banned. There's now a whole table, a bright shining table in the Strand, in the most popular bookstore in New York called Banned Books, like devoted to these titles that are so juicy or different or polarizing that the, you know, people want to ban them from schools. And yet here they are <laughs> all together on this table, like just screaming to the world, read me, you know? And if they weren't banned, if people weren't trying to get them pulled off the shelves for various reasons, they would be just nestled into their own respective. Categories and under the author's last name and whatever, they'd be just like stuck in a shelf somewhere and not laid out in the middle of the bookstore on this table for everyone to look at. I just found it so ironic. And it got me thinking about censorship and suppressing certain things, these forbidden fruits from being spread and widely known. Does trying to scrub something from human awareness? Like, get it out of the human eye. Get it out of the grasp of kids who are impressionable. I mean, obviously, there's a time and place for every subject, I will say. But there are certain books, a lot of books. I believe there is a running list of like 850 banned titles, at least in Texas, I think. I read that somewhere. There are certain titles from that 850 or however many that are banned for such antiquated reasons, not because they're inappropriate. Because people are afraid of change and afraid of different, uh, you know, standpoints on certain issues and, you know, it's that sort of thing. Does suppressing these things from being spread, does trying to scrub something from the awareness of humans and, you know, does it actually accomplish the desired result or does it just make a bigger stain, a bigger splash? More people will hear about it because it's forbidden like with the banned books. Okay, so that was the first thing I was thinking about in line at The Strand. This was like a month ago. And then last night was sitting in my apartment, you know, because we're in this weird week trying to figure out what to do with myself and was searching for a movie for what felt like hours. I feel like sometimes I just spend so much time looking to for a movie to watch, like watching all the trailers and such that I get exhausted from doing that and I just go to bed and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I just, I, you know, just consumed like 75 movies basically in the form of trailers. Anyway, I was sitting here just scrolling through, trying to find a movie to watch, and I landed on this movie called The Mirror Has Two Faces with Barbara Streisand. And it was an incredible movie. Okay. One that I had never heard of and had never Thought to watch, had never considered watching. I don't even think I've ever seen it on my TV before. I got really deep in the classic rom coms, and I don't even know if it's a com. Maybe it's like a romantic drama. Maybe it's a comedy. I don't know. Anyway, it's a romantic film, but I just randomly found it. I was watching it last night in its cinematic glory. I'm obsessed with it. It is filmed here in New York back in the 90s, I think it was 1996. So I was one year old when it came out, but it was so relevant to today even. I just, I'm always in awe of how certain themes just never go out of style, like unrequited love <laughs> will never go out of style. Anyway, so I was watching this movie. It's like very unrelated to the movie itself, the inspiration that I took from this. Actually, it had to do with Barbara Streisand because when I was thinking of this strand scenario with the band books and watching this film with Barbara Streisand, it all just reminded me of this psychological phenomenon that I'd heard of like months ago and had meant to look into. Like I had it on my list of podcast subjects and then I just like forgot about it. But last night, everything clicked. And I just knew I had to do an episode on the Streisand effect. Yes, there's an entire psychological phenomenon named after Barbara Streisand. And hear me out, because it has to do with those banned books as well. So I'm just gonna tell you guys a little background of what the Streisand effect is and how it was named after Barbara Streisand. Like why is Barbara Streisand like a part of this? I felt for a long time that Barbara Streisand was like the least problematic celebrity out there, like she didn't even get a nose job, (laughs) why is there this psychological phenomenon based off of her? Because usually when someone's name is in the title of one of these things, it's either because they're a genius and they invented it or because they're crazy and they're the inspiration for it. And I use the word crazy lightly, okay, and light humor here. Anyway, back in 2002, a photographer, it all started with this guy named Kenneth Edelman, he took more than 12,000 photos of the California coastline. And this photo project was called the California Coastal Records Project. It was a government-sanctioned effort to document coastal erosion. So coastal erosion was occurring. California, you know, government sanctioned this project for all of these eroding coastlines to be documented. One of the photographs taken for the project showed an aerial view of Barbara Streisand's California mansion. It's, like, beautiful on a a cliff, but obviously so much of the cliff line has eroded with time and with just, you know, erosion. And a website was launched in 2003 displaying all of the photos. There were a million photos, okay? Not just this one. There were so many. And shortly after this website launched in February... Barbara Streisand's attorney sent a cease and desist letter because obviously Barbara's mansion was featured in one of these photos, and she did not like that very much, did not want it getting out that her home was an erosion site, obviously, and so she was trying to do all she could to get this photo scrubbed from the internet. In May of that year, a $50 million lawsuit was filed against the photographer, so Kenneth, And other suits were filed against the image websites that hosted the photos and were repurposing the photos and all of that. Like anyone affiliated with the photos was sued basically, (laughs) okay? This was their method to get these off of the internet. And this, guys, this is the kicker. This is the best part of the story. Before the lawsuit, so when the photos were initially posted on this website, only six people, or six downloads of the photo had had happened, like only six times, okay? And funny enough, two of those six were actually made by Barbara's attorneys. So really, no one had seen it. Maybe like four people knew that it was Barbara's mansion even as well. Like maybe only two of them knew that it was Barbara's mansion. Maybe the other two knew. I don't even know. Only like four people had cared about these images enough to download them, okay? Okay. But because of the filing of the lawsuits, because Barbara's team took action and made this big splash in the media, you know, it was soon reported on the news, this led to more than 420,000 people going to the website and it's probably more today. It's definitely more now. But back then, like 420,000 people viewed the photo of Barbara's mansion. Six people versus 420,000 plus people. So Barbara drew attention to this photo, or her team at least did, that no one really cared about. But because she wanted to get rid of it so badly and destroy the evidence, she drew even more attention to the photo. And so from this incident, the Streisand effect was born, named after Barbara Streisand, obviously. And according to The Economist, it occurs when, quote, efforts to suppress a juicy piece of online information can backfire and end up making things worse for the would-be censor. So back to that table of banned books at the Strand, Streisand effect, you know, because People wanted them banned so badly, they now became this juicy, interesting read because, ooh, it's saucy, it's banned, it's not supposed to be in the public eye. So that makes people want to read it even more, makes the people that work at The Strand want to display it even more. Right, the Sand effect. You know, there was this other incident where this slew of unflattering photos of Beyonce at the Super Bowl back in 2013 were posted by BuzzFeed And once again, Streisand effect, because her publicist wanted them taken down. She emailed BuzzFeed and was like, please take these down. But this attempt only inspired BuzzFeed to post the email, first of all, which is kind of crazy. And then second of all, people heard about this, heard that Beyonce wanted them gone. And so it's actually really messed up. But they decided to make a million memes with her photo, like the one that there was like a few of them that were taken of her that aren't super flattering. I mean, she looks like, (laughs) she looks great. It's just her face. Like her body looks amazing in the photos. She looks so strong and powerful. Beyonce is beautiful. But, you know, every beautiful person has a photo that sometimes is not the most flattering. Like your face just doesn't look how you want it to in a moment of just not knowing that your face looks like that. Obviously, you know, you ever see yourself from like the side, like in a photo and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I look like that. Well, we all have our moments, okay? And so Beyonce had her moment. She really didn't like these pictures. The publicist tried to take them down. And in trying to take them down, it just spread them even further. People made all sorts of memes with these photos, like photoshopped her into a variety of locations. and doing It just became this joke because the publicist tried to get them taken down, because it just further amplified the news that these photos were like, you know, going to be deleted, so people downloaded them, and you know what I mean? It's like, it just, it created this frenzy that didn't have to be created. And this also reminds me, this Beyonce situation specifically, reminds me of the bikini photo of Khloe Kardashian that was posted, I guess, earlier this year now. It was taken by her grandma, so MJ. It was like in April of this year. Chris um, Jenner's mom, MJ posted or somehow, I don't know who posted it, but she took the photo, like she took the photo of Chloe in a bikini in, I guess, unflattering lighting. I honestly think she looks amazing in the photo. Like, I guess, obviously everyone feels differently about photos of themselves, but unlike her typically very airbrushed photos that are in perfect lighting and perfect facial expressions, she was just very candid in this photo, I guess. And it wasn't edited. She didn't have a spray tan, it looks like. I don't know. So it was posted. And then all the fan accounts that saw it started reposting it because they, I think they genuinely thought that she looked great because she wasn't edited for once. And they're like, wow, this is great. So a bunch of people posted this photo of her and she caught wind of it and became outraged with this and was like, I need this all taken down. She like, contacted her team. They started reaching out to people and telling them to delete the photo. And even Kim Kardashian herself started tweeting people, I guess, or DMing people. That was alleged. Like, Who knows if that actually happened? It could have been Photoshopped. But anyway, there were efforts to get these photos taken down. And very much to the same tune of Beyonce and Barbara Streisand, this just caused a frenzy. And from this, she I mean, I just can't imagine how she was feeling. I can't imagine being a celebrity. I just could not handle being photographed all the time and then having to – I just can't imagine being so public about my life in such a large scale. Like, obviously, this is coming from someone who is public about their life and who has followers, but like, not to the Kardashian extent. I can't imagine what she deals with on a daily basis in her DMs if she reads them, you know? So I I just can't imagine how she was feeling, but – What she did next maybe wasn't the best thing. She then goes on Instagram Live to defend herself. She's like pulling down her pants like (laughs) to show her her bikini, like her abs. I'm like, what are you doing, girly? She's like trying to show off the fact that her body looks great. And we're like, Chloe, we don't care. (laughs) I think a lot of us at least. Like I was watching the live. I watched it. And she was just showing how strong she is, which – she is very – she works out. She's – I mean, I don't think that anyone really cared that much. I think that it was genuinely because it was this photo she was trying to get deleted. People were obsessed with it because of that. I don't think people would have cared if she just didn't say anything and let her sweet grandma somehow leak this photo. Like, I don't think it would have been a big deal. So anyway, she posted this IG live. And then after that, she – posted this Instagram carousel with a bunch of screenshots from the live, like where she looks good. A video of her flexing in her bathroom mirror just to continuously, like to continue to prove to people that she is, that photo is doctored, it's fake, whatever. I think Kim used the word doctored. So like someone had doctored the photo. I'm like, no, honestly, that's probably what she looks like in just not great lighting. Like lighting is everything. It really is everything. But anyway, I just, it really just begs the question, like, if she had just said nothing at all, had just let it go, had just had it deleted at the source, and then just don't engage with any of the people that posted it, would it have just gone like come and gone like any other random photo people post? Like it might have just came and went without much buzz, but now there's a million articles about this photo that she posted and talking about it. And that's just the opposite of what she wanted to accomplish. Would people really have circulated it as much as they did if they didn't know that she like didn't want them to? Like the fact that she didn't want people to circulate it just made people, I guess, want to more, which is really messed up. But that's just like how humans are. It's that forbidden fruit. It's like if you tell a kid not to do something, they're going to do it. You know? Anyway, so in some cases... I wonder, is it just better to let it go and hope it flies under the radar? I just know that there's so many things that celebrities have done, and we just don't know that they that that this happened, like because they didn't draw attention to it, because they didn't try to hide something. I think trying to hide something generally accomplishes the opposite effect. Like sometimes you get away with it, but. There's always that chance. I mean, in every romantic movie I've ever seen, every comedy I've ever seen where someone's trying to hide something, I think of like Something Borrowed, that iconic movie with Jennifer Goodwin and Kate Hudson when Jennifer slept with Kate's husband or fiance, Dex. Are they married? I think they're engaged. They're engaged, right? Are they even engaged? I don't know. She sleeps with with the the boy toy of Kate Hudson, who is her best friend, and they just try to hide it from Kate Hudson the whole time and pretend it didn't happen. And then Kate Hudson finds out, and then obviously she's like, "We're no longer friends." Like, "F you! I can't believe you are hiding this from me." Like, the odds that it's going to blow up in your face are are pretty high. Okay, when you're trying to hide something, not to mention the guilt that you feel or that like fear it's more so the, feo- the fear I feel. The fear I feel. The fear that one could feel if they are trying to suppress something and hide it and not um, spread it further. And it's just, yeah, it just becomes this like buzz topic, right? So I want to tell another story that dates back a little bit further than Barbara Streisand, Khloe Kardashian, Beyonce, and the like. It's about this guy named Herostratus. So something you need to know, this guy, he's you know, his time period was of the ancient Greek variety. And one of the most important things to the ancient Greeks was being memorable. Okay. To be forgotten was a fate worse than death. And this is very important to know before I continue. So on the 21st of July in 356 BC, the temple of Artemis, which is, or was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was burned down by a mad arsonist named Herostratus. Herostratus was a young man at the time, and he aspired to leave his mark in history and die a household name, even if it meant having to go to jail or be beheaded or whatever they would do to him for doing this. And so in order to achieve his goal, he decided to risk it all and just set the Temple of Artemis on fire. He figured in doing so, it would etch his name into history forever and everyone would remember him. Even for a horrible, horrible reason, everyone would remember his name. Even if it meant getting locked up in prison for the rest of his life or executed or whatever. So when he was caught, he said this. He said, I myself burned the temple. I couldn't have shared this victory keyword victory with anyone else i felt the horror to my joints now it's over first i was scared then it all went away once i imagined the fame i would have yeah this guy was crazy so this pissed off <laughs> the greek courts understandably it was literally one of the seven ancient wonders of the world and it was gone forever it was rebuilt but gone in its original form because of this this dude that wanted fame so they tortured him, they executed him, and then they punished him even further. Like after, after death, they punished him with this thing called damnatio memori, which was a punishment that forbade the culprits of a crime's name to be said by anyone. So anyone who said this guy's name would like be tortured or something. Like they couldn't even say his name. They couldn't write his name, they couldn't mention him at all even they couldn't think his name. (laughs) Like, don't you dare say this guy's name or further his story because, you know, he obviously that's what he wanted and he's a bad guy. So they were like, don't do it. And I'm sure you can just imagine what I'm going to say next. Obviously, this didn't go exactly as planned because, you know, I'm sitting here today saying this guy's name and telling his story. So clearly many, many people before me have. Because the Greek courts banned people from talking about Herostratus, that is all people wanted to do. It was forbidden fruit. Like the apple in the Bible, you know, Adam and Eve. You want to do that thing that people tell you not to do because of human curiosity, because of not like liking to be told what to do. Like if you see this big red button that says, Don't push this button. You're going to want to push the button, right? It's just like human nature to want to do the things you're not supposed to do. And so Hero Stratus' name didn't vanish from history. People just talked and wrote about him in secret. And they talked about him and wrote about him way more than they would have if the courts didn't decree it illegal to discuss him. Even now, all these years later, we still know this guy's name. There are a million articles and videos and books that mention him. He's definitely not forgotten, that's for sure. I mean, obviously he is remembered for doing a horrible thing, but his name is still is still known. Okay. And so maybe they achieved the opposite of what they wanted, the Greek courts. Like I'm sure they didn't want there to be a coined phrase. Based on this guy's story, which there is today, it's called Herostratic fame, and it means to do anything to gain fame. So, if you are doing anything to gain fame, you are aspiring to have Herostratic fame based on Herostratus himself. So, let's talk about the why here. Why is this a thing? Why are humans so obsessed? with the forbidden. Why do we want to know things that we're not supposed to know or that someone doesn't want us to know? Like, why are we so curious? Why are we like this? So the Streisand effect and all of the examples that are linked to it that I've discussed, they're all examples of psychological reactance. Meaning people, once they become aware that something is being kept from them, like there's this secret that they don't know anything about or they are not supposed to know, They are significantly more motivated to fully access the information, to get to the bottom of it, to scrape the bottom of the barrel, get every single last drop of the information. Like they want all of it. They want to understand it. This thing, because it's this secret thing they're not supposed to know, it's like juicy. And then they want to share that information because it's like showing off this trophy of I figured this out. I am the winner of the game. I am powerful, I wield this power because knowledge is power, we're taught. Isn't this just interesting food for thought? I've been really, just every time I get to a different realization in this unpacking of the Streisand effect, etc. I'm just like, wow, humans are so crazy. Like, we are so weird, <laughs> honestly. Like, we will always have some childlike tendencies to... Like this one being to hate being told what to do. Like that is one thing that humans, no matter how old we get, I mean, most of us, most of us I'd say, maybe not everybody, but a lot of us hate being told what to do and we want to do the reverse of what we're told to do just to spite someone because we can. (laughs) We are crazy. We're bad at following instructions, a lot of us, because we want to live life by our own blueprint, our own... Our own idea of what is right because we're stubborn and this can all be summed up in psychological reactance. In short, it's basically our brain's response when our freedom is threatened, our freedom to choose, our freedom to access something, our freedom to see a photo, (laughs) our freedom to, to do things. Like once the cat is out of the bag, it's very tough to get the cat back in the bag because people will feel personally affected by it, like personally that you have taken away their freedom even if it has nothing to do with them, right? Like Khloe Kardashian wanting the photo to be taken off of the internet. Really, did it affect anyone? Like extremely deeply, like deeply affected anyone, did it? No, it's a photo. People went along their days as they would have if the photo never existed, but it ruffled some feathers because people took it personally. People were like, oh, is she deleting this photo and wanting it taken down because she thinks that she looks large and in charge in this photo? And if she thinks she looks large and in charge in this photo, then is that saying that I am large and in charge in all the photos I post? You know what I mean? It's like it, people spiral, people take things very personally, but that is just human nature. That's how we are. We, we like to have our, our freedoms, okay? Like in short, we like to be able to do our life the way we want to and when we can't do it that way because someone else has decided that this is how things are, we get upset and we want to dig deep and fight. We want to fight that. We want to fight them on it and get access to this thing that is not allowed. It reminds me of this story. This just like popped into my head. I remember this story from I think like 2017 or something where this kid like 21 or 22 years old American was with a tour group and he went to North Korea. I think he was in Beijing and went to North Korea. He was with his tour group and he was attempting to steal a propaganda poster. So he was arrested. He was put on trial for this because he was in this foreign country. Like he was in North Korea. He was sentenced and like was being tried in North Korea, not in America. He was in this foreign country to him and he was tried. He was sentenced to, I think like, I think 15 years of hard labor or something like that. He was like given this long sentence and he didn't even make it, I think a year before slipping into a mysterious coma. And like he was tortured by these people in North Korea because he He broke the rules. He stole this thing. He very well could have come back unscathed from North Korea, which is obviously, it is a place that is known to be very rigorous with things. Like that is a known thing. He didn't follow the rules. He was trying to do this thing and like, come home to his buddies and have this poster to show off. Like, I think it's horrible what happened to him. I don't think he deserved to be tortured for this. But you never know, especially if you're in a foreign country, you don't know how people are going to react to certain things. But this is just another example of doing something in spite, like out of spite, because you know you're not supposed to do it and it makes it all the more rewarding to do that thing to, you know, you feel like this rush. It's the same reason why a lot of high school kids, at least in my town, would steal street signs like would steal a stop sign and put it in their room. I'm like, dude, what? What? Okay, that's illegal. <laughs> and would you do it? Would someone do it if it's not illegal? The thrill of it, right? It's the thrill. It's the freedom that you, the power that you seize by doing this thing and getting away with it. It's just this crazy human thing that we we want to be able to do whatever we want to do. Like we want to have this freedom, obviously, because it makes us feel cool, makes us feel good. And threats to freedom really include anything that revolves around someone trying to tell you to do something or tell you not to do something or makes you do something that isn't you. Anyone other than you (laughs) telling yourself to do something gives you this jolt of, oh my God, you're threatening my freedom. I got to do something about this. I have to dig and figure out this thing and I need to post it everywhere and I need to give all my thoughts on this thing. And if it wasn't forbidden, would people even care? And honestly, this all makes me think about reverse psychology, or I guess like you can use reverse psychology in order to use the Streisand effect to your advantage. Like celebrities have done this a million times over. A lot of times just to mess with us, like they know that if they try to get something removed or if they accidentally leak something, everyone's gonna obsess over it. Like celebrities leak things all the time. On purpose. They call the paparazzi to take pictures of them on purpose. Like, celebrities know how to work people sometimes, making things look like they're accidental. Like, it's no secret, celebrities create intentional frenzies sometimes, like leak their music on purpose, a bunch of things like that. Okay. It's sometimes intentional, but a lot of times they mess up and have to have amazing well-paid PR teams to clean up the mess and sometimes in cleaning up the mess, they make it worse or sometimes in a lot of the Kardashians case, they just make a louder splash in another sister's pool and that, you know, just takes up more of the public, uh, I guess, opinion and public talking, buzz, all the stuff, you know, like with all the stuff happening with very tragically... With Astroworld and Travis Scott and Kylie Jenner and that side of the Kardashian Empire. Very horrible what happened. I have a lot of thoughts on this that I'm not gonna cover, but like in order to take away from that, to take away or less attention on that, people have been saying that this whole Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian dating rumor situation was a Kris Jenner PR move to cover up that. Horrible tragedy, like to not cover it up rather, but just to shift public chatter into a different pool, like I said. So, anyway, forbidden fruit that was our subject today. Hope you guys enjoyed and really thought about forbidden fruit and what it means to you. Like, what are the things in your life that you feel you become obsessed with because you're not supposed to? (laughs) Or like you want to do something you're not supposed to? Like what in your life does this apply to? So anyway, guys, that is it for this episode of Thick and Thin. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays. Happy almost new year. I will actually talk to you guys in the new year. Crazy. All right. I'll talk to you guys all next week. Happy new year, everyone.